this happened to me in 2020 around Thanksgiving during the COVID pandemic. I'm a 5'10 female, and I'm pretty curvy, meaning I have huge hips and a tiny waist. I was weighing at the time 220 pounds. I never thought anyone could pick me up until it happened. I worked as a janitor cleaning bathrooms at a tower downtown of Corpus Christi from 12pm to 5pm, and I'd pick up my night shift right after, leading me to be there from 5pm to 9.30pm. Let me give you a quick rundown of the building's layout. There's 12 floors, and each floor has a freight elevator that's accessed through a wooden door in the hallways. You open the door and there's a landing and then this elevator leads to the garage of the building with two ports for deliveries. Mind you, these landings had no cameras. Only the ninth floor had a camera. It all started one day during my day shift, when some tall man at about 6 foot 5 with glasses approached me. I'm gonna use his real name, Juan. He then approached me inquiring about a few rooms which he needed to get into since he was a carpet cleaner. It didn't bother me too much, but I had a strange feeling in my gut that something was off with him. The days went on and I would see him in the building and he would always stare at me. And it made me so uncomfortable that I would leave the floor he was on and continue on. This happened for a few weeks until one day I didn't go to work and I had received a message saying I miss you. I responded back with, Um, who is this? And it was him. He got my number. How? I'm not sure, and I still have no clue to this day. That same night, he had sent me an unsolicited dick pic with the caption, You like? Yeah, no thank you. I didn't respond and went back to my night, but I was so freaked out about my work day the next day. Now, since I'm the only cleaning personnel in the building, I'd have to let him in rooms if his key wasn't working. And guess what? That day his key wasn't working so I had to go up and unlock an office for him on the ninth floor. While doing so, he was staring at me and he was breathing really hard. His hands were full and he asked if I could hit the switch for him. I walked in and I realized that the office was unoccupied and I couldn't find the light switch anywhere. As I was rushing back towards the door, he stood in my way and then said, Hey, where are you going? I'm not going to hurt you. Red flags and bells were now totally going off in my head, and I dashed around him and right out the door. I got to the freight elevator, and I actually heard him coming after me. Remember, the ninth floor is the only floor with a camera on the freight landing. I was standing there waiting for the elevator to come, and the guy opens the door slowly, and he looks at me, and he then glances at the camera, then back at me, and he then gives me the scariest look I'd ever seen. Finally, the elevator door opened, and he walked into the elevator, and as soon as I tried to escape, he grabbed my arm and then pulled me back, and I shrieked. He then did the most terrifying thing. He picked me up over his shoulders as I kicked and screamed and then scratched him, and he didn't let me go. We landed on the garage floor when I saw his van, and that's when I think that this is it. This is where it all ends for me. But by the grace of God... The security guard who was doing his rounds heard the commotion. Juan then saw the guy and dropped me to the floor, then taking off in his van. The security guard came to my rescue just right at the right time. If he didn't come the moment he did, 
I really don't think I would be here today telling y'all about the time where I was almost abducted. But it didn't end there. He called me on Thanksgiving and I about had a panic attack. I didn't answer. And my brother, knowing the situation, called him back and had told him to stay the fuck away from me and that he knows what he did was wrong. Then saying, Oh, I didn't know, my bad. My brother then ended the call and blocked the number. I then changed my phone number after that incident. Please stay safe, everyone. Because even in broad daylight, he was bold enough to attempt this. I got chills just writing this. It was in the 8th grade class retreat in May 2012. This trip was planned by our school as a reward for all the work we did on exams, and they decided to give us a nice little trip to a ranch in Arkansas right before summer started. The place was huge, and the main area was absolutely amazing. Much better than the other class trips we'd been to before. The cabins were equally nice. They were pretty much like just big houses. It was all looking really promising. I was even able to room with four very good friends. Our cabin was pretty far away from the rest. It was on top of a really big hill and off to the side of the other ones, which would make it less likely for people to check on us, which would mean we could stay up late and no one would know, which had really fit into our big plan. Being middle schoolers, we were prepubescent boys, so naturally we were formulating a plan to hang out with the girls' cabins late at night. We were idiots for thinking anything could happen, but we were horny little shits, so we tried it anyway on the second night. Our idea was to become a ghost cabin, where we'd be as quiet as possible, and hopefully the teachers and counselors would forget we existed. We ended up finding the fuse box to even turn off the outside lights, as that switch was taken out and they were left on always. This is where things started getting creepy. At first, things were going pretty well. We were going to leave the cabin at about 1.30am to see if any of the girls were awake. I still hate myself for even thinking this would work, but then we'd have our fun and go back. It was around 12.40 when the first weird thing had happened. Our friend who won't call Billy was not at all a fan of this plan, and all the lights just buzzed on as he found the fuse box and he then came upstairs to yell at us for being idiots. As he was telling us off, the power just goes off. We checked the fuse box, and sure enough, the switches are on and it was just a power surge. We call off the plan because of the initial lights turning on, and we just try to get some sleep even though there's no power. After this point, I don't know what time it was because I don't see any clocks and my phone was dead. I kept hearing pacing and mumbling from Billy's room. I assumed that was because he was still mad at us, but after a while I had wanted him to shut the hell up and sleep. I go downstairs to his room to do that, but when I open the door, he's dead fucking asleep, and I would have known if he was faking. This sent an actual shiver down my entire body. I didn't tell my other friends about this. We heard the power come back on, and the AC fires back up, so I tried to get some sleep again. I actually doze off, but were then woken by the sounds of dogs barking by the horse stable near our cabin. Me and my other friends on the upper level see them running around from around the window, but at the same time, the lights outside the stable were shut off, which they were normally on all night. We didn't know much, 
but we knew those dogs were pissed off at something. We think it might be a bear, but then once again, our power goes out. We pretty much instantly get scared, but this time we hear knocking on the door, and we think it's a counselor, so we dash to our beds. But the knocking doesn't stop. We keep waiting. It doesn't stop. The knocking then turns to banging, and we all start freaking out now. The banging doesn't stop, and this is where it gets really freaky. We hear screaming coming from Billy's room, so we go to it, and we can normally see someone at the door because there's windows near it, but we don't even see a shadow, just the sound of the door banging. Billy's room is pretty quiet, so it's likely he just didn't hear any of this. We can hear the screaming all until we open up Billy's door. Then it stops, and Billy's right there dead asleep just like last time. We decide to wake him up because we just knew that there was something wrong with that room. We're all on the upper level huddled up in the corner because we honestly think we're going to die that night. The banging stops. We're relieved, but then we hear banging on the wall of our floor, then on the same door. It felt like there was banging on every wall of the house at this point. And then just as quickly as it started, it stopped. Nothing was broken out of place or anything. The power comes back, and of course we don't get an ounce of sleep that night. The next morning everyone is there, and from what I can gather, this didn't happen to anyone else. The counselors also didn't check on our rooms last night. We didn't see any footprints on the porch, Billy was perfectly fine in that room, and while nothing happened on that last night we were there, we didn't sleep until about 4 in the morning. We passed the fuck out on the bus though. So I had been on this dating app for a while, and everyone I tried to meet up with had bailed up until today. I was scrolling pretty late at night because I couldn't get to sleep. So when I got a message from someone close by, I decided to just go for it. He was able to host, so I was going to meet him. My first sign not to go was that he was really pushy once I started to try and get out of the house, but that I couldn't find my keys. But I did eventually find them, and I left for his place. I was only given a road, though. Once I got to the road, I had decided to stay in the corner of the main road because it was well lit, and I just felt safer. The next red flag was when he asked me to send my location through the app before giving me the full address. I tried using the excuse of my phone not working properly, but he kept insisting, and I stupidly did it. He finally gave me the address, and I started walking there, but once I got there, I didn't see anyone. Apparently, despite me reading the number properly, I had the wrong house, and it was actually a few doors down. Red flag number three. I tell him I'm here and he tells me to come in, but I hesitate because I don't see him. I was standing as far away from the property as possible because I got more and more uneasy. He claimed to be in front of me, and as I typed that I don't see him, I then see a phone waving from behind the back of the wall of the property. I'm definitely not feeling safe at this point, but I still hold faith and I tell him to walk over to me. The phone disappears, and I get a text just saying, Bye then, and I'm immediately blocked. I run as fast as possible from there back to the main road, constantly looking behind me, scared that I'm being followed. All the way home, I was pretty much terrified, 
looking around frantically. Because it's late at night, there's all sorts of crickets and owls rustling. Suddenly a rabbit hops out frantically and genuinely makes my heart skip a beat. I get home and immediately lock the door behind me, including my bedroom door fearing I was followed. I realize that I should have noticed the red flag of him not having a profile picture or information and only one picture of himself. So the lesson is, as soon as anything phishing comes up on dating apps, lock them immediately and stop contact, which is definitely what I'm going to do moving forward. For context, I'm a woman who's now 35. The story takes place when I was 22 to 23 years old. This still shakes me to the core. I was a single mom to a two-year-old and a three-month-old. I decided to put myself out there and try online dating. I joined Plenty of Fish and I went out on a few dates but hadn't really met anyone special. I was hurting for money having just had a baby and I didn't have a functioning cell phone. Around October 2011, I got a message from a guy on Plenty of Fish. He was weird and I didn't really like the vibe pretty much immediately so I didn't respond. He kept messaging me, though. I told him I wasn't interested, and I had asked him to leave me alone. He kept messaging, so I blocked him. I thought this was the end of it, but he had started creating new accounts to try and reach out to me. Every time I blocked one, a new one just popped up. I got fed up, and I ended up shutting down my whole profile. In November 2011, I had gotten a job at Walmart in apparel. This had allowed me to finally get a phone. I gave my number to a few friends, but I was very careful who I gave my number to. Well, one night I got home from work, and I was spending some quality time with my babies, and I had gotten a text message from a number that I didn't recognize. I read the message, and I just about had a panic attack. The message said... I watched you at work in the fitting rooms. You look so sexy tonight. I asked who was texting me, and it was the weirdo from Plenty of Fish. I asked him how he got my number, but he refused to tell me. I changed my number immediately. I carried on with my life, and soon my 23rd birthday had just come and gone. I got a text from a random number telling me happy birthday, and they had a surprise for me. I asked who it was and they then sent a dick pic and then it said, I'm gonna give this to you when you least expect it. I'm gonna punish you for changing numbers. So once again, I immediately got a new number. This didn't deter him from contacting me. He became increasingly intrusive, even telling me the names of my own children. I was sick at this point and I was at my breaking point. I immediately reached out to the police. They were immediately responsive, and they assigned a detective to my case. I sent screenshots of all the messages from the multiple numbers. The detective asked if I had a picture of this man, and I had sent him the picture that I had of him. The detective called and had told the man that I was not interested in him, and that at this point in his consistent and persistent communication, which I had made very clear was not wanted, was considered stalking and that he was not to reach out to me through text or any other means, and if he continues, charges would be filed. This was finally what it took to get him to leave me alone for good. I don't know what happened to him, 
but I often wonder if he ever put any other women through what he put me through, or if he finally just wised up and got help. I often fear when I visit my boyfriend I'll cross paths with him, but I really hope that doesn't happen. I live in a fairly sized city with a population of about 150,000 people. I live in an apartment and it had three floors. I was on the second floor and one of my neighbors upstairs was bad news. I was convinced he was a drug dealer. He just really gave me the creeps. I'm a female and it was a Friday night. I had been out with my friends but I wasn't drunk and it was around 1.40 a.m. when I got home. When I entered the block into my stairwell, I had heard male laughter, and I also heard odd stumbling. I assumed it was the drunk guys and began going up the steps. I don't know if they heard me or if they simply just couldn't react in time, but as I rounded the corner, one more set of stairs to go till I was at my door, I froze. My creepy neighbor from upstairs who I'll call Bob was there with two guys and a woman who was undoubtedly unconscious. Bob was holding her at the waist. One guy had her legs up and her dress was hiked up. Then the other guy was at the side. He darted away just as I saw them, so I don't exactly know what the hell he was doing. I suddenly had a seed of dread plant itself into my stomach. The men stared at each other, then at me. I stared back uncomfortably. I tried to sound braver than I felt, and I tried to sound tough when I asked what they thought they were doing. Bob must have recognized me because we would see each other in passing. He was the one who answered as the other two guys stared at me then at each other in quick succession. He said that his girlfriend had drank too much and he was just getting his roommates to help them upstairs. Now I knew that Bob didn't have any roommates and I'd never seen these two guys before in my life. I also wasn't born yesterday, and I knew what they were really up to. The woman was wearing a dark blue sparkly dress, and like I said, it was hiked up, and I knew it was deliberate. Her body looked heavy and limp, and her head was rolled to the side, and her eyes were closed. I didn't know what to do, but I knew that I couldn't let them hurt her. I was angry, and I then told Bob, yeah, those guys aren't your roommates. His face remained blank, but his eyes were dark. There was tension in the air, and then Bob responded with, Go home. It's late. It felt like a threat due to the tone in his voice. There was no way I was walking away from this. I had my house keys in my coat pocket, and my phone was in my hand. I have that safety feature activated when you can press a button to alert the police and trusted contacts when in danger. It sends photos from the back and front camera and it shares your location and sends selected contacts a message saying you're in a bad situation. On my phone, you could set it up to where it sounds an alarm or not, and I couldn't remember if I'd enabled the noise. I was nervous the noise would make things worse, but I felt like all I could do was press this button in case the worst happened. I felt like I couldn't take three guys on my own. It would be really easy for them to overpower me. I'm five foot five, but these guys were all in six foot territory, and I wasn't very muscular, and they all looked much better built compared to me. We all just stared at each other for what felt like hours before Bob repeated himself, 
telling me to turn around to go home. I told the men to let the woman go, and Bob's face remained blank, but the other guys noticeably tensed up despite their quietness. Bob looked at the guy who wasn't holding the woman, and he started to move towards me. I pressed the button rapidly on my phone and grabbed my house keys, ready to scratch his eyes out if I had to. The alarm was on, and it started beeping like a fire alarm. Suddenly, a light bulb went off in my head, and I started to scream, Fire! There's a fire! Over and over again. I remember always hearing you should shout something out like that to get attention, because everyone will want to get away from fire, so they aren't going to ignore you out of fear or disinterest. One of the guys then shouted, Oh shit! And the next few moments are almost a blur. I held my keys out, and the guy who was coming at me ran right past and down the steps. Suddenly, the other guy was running too, as well as Bob. I didn't even try to chase them. I rushed to the woman, still shouting that there was a fire. They dropped her on the stairs right in front of me, and I realized she was groaning a little. I then heard people coming out of their doors above me, and I began to shout for help. I sat on the steps and moved the woman so she was sitting beside me and I held her so her head was forward in case she was sick or something. She began mumbling something, but I couldn't make out what she was saying. I just kept telling her she was safe and she was okay. Neighbors then started pouring into the stairwell. My block wasn't huge, and I think a few people weren't home. I explained the situation, and one of the neighbors went into his house and came back with a big glass of water. We tried to give it to this woman, but she wouldn't drink it. In hindsight, this might have been a bad move because it could have erased evidence or something, but I didn't realize that at the time. The police arrived. Someone had phoned for an ambulance too, and they arrived as well. I told the police everything, and it was then that an officer told me that offering her water wasn't a good idea, but that they understood why I did it. I felt guilty, but they took the glass with them as evidence because her mouth had touched it. I was so shaken up from this. I lived alone and it was a long night. When I was done being interviewed, I had to phone my family and friends because they were freaking out worrying about me. I didn't want to stay in my house in case Bob or those guys came back. So I went to go stay with my sister for about a week. Bob was found first, but he denied being up to anything sinister. The other two guys were caught shortly after. They'd all been on the run. I ended up finding out that the woman was in a club that night with her friends. Bob and his two goons were there too, and they got to chatting to her and her friends. She was drinking, but she wasn't drugged. Her friends ended up ditching her, and when Bob and his friends realized this, they saw an opportunity. She could barely walk, and she was trying to get a cab home, and that's when Bob and his buddies then pounced on her. Her memory was hazy but she said that they grabbed her and kept saying they'd take her home. She said she didn't want them to take her home. She had to go find her friends, etc. She said that she remembered stumbling, and she remembered some people asking if she was alright. Bob would claim she was his girlfriend and the guys were his friends, or they would all claim they were her brothers and were helping her get home safe. I was so horrified to find this out. It makes me so angry to think that people could see a woman who was barely conscious with three men dragging her along, and no one stopped to think it was weird. You can always tell when there's a bad vibe there. 
and it makes me angry to think that people ignored it or just didn't care to do anything. It would have been easy for me to take Bob's word, but I knew that he had no roommates. I'd been living near him for almost a year, and I knew just something terrible was planned for that woman. Also, the laughter I heard when I entered my building was very unnerving in hindsight. Bob ended up getting into some major trouble, but the other two guys got away with a slap on the wrist. Since they hadn't drugged her, and it was argued that Bob manipulated them, they basically just got away with it. Bob actually ended up getting in more trouble for having cocaine in his house. He went to jail for drugs, and it seems that ultimately they got away with trying to harm that woman. I moved out of my apartment a few months later. I was always afraid those two guys would find me and do something. I never saw that woman again, but I really hope she's okay now. I'm just glad the timing worked out how it did and I was able to catch them. I just know something awful would have happened to her if I hadn't have caught them in the stairwell that night when I did. Thank God for that. Hey everyone, that's about it for today's stories. If you have your own story that you would like to send, you can send it in at southerncannibal.com or you can email it at southerncannibalstories at gmail.com. I look forward to telling your story. Have a good night or good day, everyone. And remember, to always.